This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. Faith at a higher level. Faith 2.0 to be exact is our series. And we want to get right into the word of the Lord this morning for week number two concerning faith 2.0. The book of John, chapter number 4, will be our text. I'm going to kind of go off of a King James rendering for this text reading. I'm going to read from the message in my opening remarks this morning. And I appreciate you uh, being patient with me with this because it may not exactly look the way your scriptures look in your hand. So uh, thank you for just allowing me to follow my heart today. John 4, out of the message, verse number 46, concluding with verse number 54. Now, he was back in Cana. He was back in Cana. He's come back to Cana. If you were here in week one, which was just last Sunday, we looked at an unbelievable miracle recorded. It happens to be the first recorded miracle of the, of the mighty works of Jesus Christ. And that miracle was performed in a place called Cana. And yet, here this morning, we see he's back in Cana of Galilee, the place where he made the water into wine. Meanwhile, in Capernaum, meanwhile, in Capernaum, there was a certain official from the king's court whose son was sick. When he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and asked, that he come down and heal his son, who was on the brink of death. And in the message, it's so funny sometimes how the message kind of cites things. In the message, it reads this way, Jesus put him off. Now, we know that uh, there's a reason in the actions of Christ. There's always a reason for the words of Christ. And I think when you mix his words with his particular action, there's a message held within this nugget of scripture. Jesus put him off and he goes into teacher mode and he begins to teach this lesson. Catch this now. Unless you people are dazzled by a miracle, you refuse to believe. Don't you know there were some people standing around that was like, whoa, I'm glad it wasn't me. Because it just totally looks like, it sounds like Jesus just like put him in his place. Unless you're just unless you're dazzled by a miracle, you wouldn't believe. The beautiful part of this scripture reference in verse 49 is the man's not offended. He receives what Jesus was saying. And he responds with, but the court official wouldn't be put off. He says to step up and keep talking to Jesus. And he says, come down. It's life or death for my son. It was almost like the put off went in one ear and out the other. He wasn't offended. And because of the way the man responded to Jesus, Jesus simply replied, go home. Your son lives. The man believed the bare word Jesus spoke and the Bible says that man headed home. Headed home where? Headed home to Capernaum. Headed home to Capernaum where a need was. Headed home to Capernaum where his son was about to die. He heard a word from Jesus and he headed home with that word. On his way back, 
from where? Cana. On his way back, heading to where? Capernaum. His servants have left Capernaum. He's left Cana, and his servants intercept him halfway down the road, so to speak, and they announce, your, your son, your son's alive. He lives. <laughs> he asked them, I've just got to ask you guys something. What time, what time did he begin to get better? And they said, the fever broke yesterday afternoon at 1 o'clock. I'm just curious. I wonder if it was daylight saving times during this story. Did it really happen at noon? Did it happen at noon or did it happen at 1? <laughs> I'm just messing with y'all. And the father knew that some of y'all right now are going, oh, man, I don't even know how that stuff works. Daylight saving time, 1. How does that really? Don't worry about it. The fever broke yesterday afternoon at 1 o'clock. The father knew that it was the very moment Jesus had said, your son lives, and the message says this, and that clinched it. That clinched it. Not only he, but his entire household believed. There's a message right there. Your miracle's not always just for you. Your miracle just might be for your whole household. You thought it was for you. And it's blessed you, but little did you know that your miracle, man, it's about everybody. I've got a cool testimony in this sermon that approved my point. This was now the second sign Jesus gave after having come from Judea into Galilee. Bible started out, here we go this morning, it started out that he went back to Cana. Just a little quick question. Is there anywhere, uh, anywhere in your life that it just seems like that you have a little bit more faith when you're in that certain area than anywhere else? Maybe you have a, a certain room in your house that you pray in, and man, it's just your prayer closet. It's your spot. Maybe it's a memory of a of a church, maybe out in California or New York or Florida, maybe it's in the Midwest, somewhere around Ohio, that you know, man, you were 13 years old and it was in that church on that given day where everything changed for your life. And there's a memory there. There's a special, sweet place that you know if you could just get back over to that corner, that corner of whatever those cross streets were. You were sitting at that red light on that particular day in your car, and you called on the name of the Lord for something, and God moved on your behalf. And there's just something special about that corner, uh, those crossroads. Well, I've got those places in my life. I've got several. I'm telling you, there's places in my life that, that God did a work in my heart. God did a work in my life. And there's just something special about it. Mine, mine are kind of different places. I got a little place in, in Podunk, Louisiana called Tioga, Louisiana. Man, it's just a small hole in the wall. But as a kid, I was brought there every summer for a little children's and a youth camp. And God did so many things in my life there. It's just, in a weird way, it's like, it's, it's almost like holy ground to me. There's nothing special about the soil. There's nothing special about the dirt. It, it's nothing special about the building. But for me, spiritually, I just know, man, I've had so many God moments there that, that it's almost like my faith goes through the roof when I walk on that piece of property. Some of you have these kind of places. But we're not the only ones. Think about the little shepherd boy, David. You think about that little boy, David, man, he growing up, 
living that blessed life out in the fields, pastures tending, tending the sheep and taking care of his daddy's properties and animals. But yet everything changed for that little boy. That little boy became a man that certain day in that certain place called the Valley of Elah because he stepped into that valley and he sized up a big, strong, fit well put together man, it's a giant by the name of Goliath and Tony Cox. Everything changed for David in that valley. That valley, everything shifted. It was like something tilted, something changed. It was, it was like he matured, he developed. Maybe it was a rite of passage. He walked into a, a new era in his life and God's anointing came upon him from slinging one smooth stone at this big nasty giant. Everything changed. And you speed David's story up. He's in the palace and he's dealing with personnel problems. He's dealing with financial budgeting issues. He's under some stress and, and he's feeling the weight. And all of a sudden he slips out the back door and, and everybody's like, we don't, haven't seen the king today. Anybody seen the king today? Is he in meetings? Is he, is he at lunch? Where's king? David at more than likely you probably could find him down in the same valley where he whipped Goliath and he's probably just kind of pacing back and forth walking walking in that valley saying father you took out Goliath with one little stone and I know that what I'm up against is 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 a it's a giant itself and I need some help and for some reason when I'm in this valley I feel God I feel like you could do anything think about Moses Man, this cat saw a bush on fire. Man, if taking a giant out, if that doesn't wow you, when's the last time you saw a bush on fire that you didn't set the fire? I was one of them little kids. Man, my daddy blessed me with a magnifying glass. You know where that's going. And I was just that little kid, boy. Ooh, there's smoke. Ooh, there's fire. Moses didn't set this one on fire. Something happened. God's presence, God's anointing, God's power was on the scene. And we got this bush aflame. It's on fire. Then the bush starts speaking, but we know it's the voice of God coming from within. Don't you know Moses was, uh, was down a time or two, Keith, in his life? Don't you know he probably slipped away from the crowd and said, man, I got to go back to that burning bush. I got to get back to that same area. I know God's got a word for my life, and I'm not hearing his word right now. I'm not hearing his voice here where I'm at. I've got to get back there to that same little spot. <laughs> and if that doesn't wow you, think about our boy Peter. Peter was out fishing. God calls him to take a step on the water. Don't you know that dude put down a marker? One of them little bright orange markers that fishermen carry around their boats. Got a little rope on it. He's like, oh, I'm marking this spot. I walked right there. And then next thing you know, here he comes, rowing his boat. Getting on out there, he's been having a rough patch. He's been down financially, down in his relationships. He's been hurting physically. And he's like, I got to just get, get, get out there. And luckily, nobody can move that marker. And for some reason, Melanie, if he was around that marker, he could just look at it. Just, just a bright orange little buoy with some rope with a little piece of lead working like a little anchor. But there was something that that signified. It signified that God was here on that particular day. And there was a miracle that took place. I say all of that to just come by to remind you that if you're going to get to faith at another level, if you're going to run life in faith 2.0, you are going to have to remember where God has shown up in your life in yesterday. Once you 
forget the faithfulness of God, you'll start losing out in your current everyday faith. That's right. Faith 2.0, it goes back to when. And you keep journals of these things. You keep memories. You keep, you keep all of these testimonies locked up in your, in, your, in your memory bank. Because there's some times that you just got to go back and revisit some burning bushes. You got to go back to some canas. You got to go back to some walking on waters. You got to go back and remind yourself, well, if God did it then, God can do it now. What God did yesterday, God can do today. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord. That's why people take pen and paper and write little songs that we still sing every now and then when times get hard. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, my soul cries out. Hallelujah. It's not based on what I'm seeing because what I'm seeing is not looking too good. But when I look back over my life, I have a testimony of where God's brought me from, of what he's brought me through. I know that God did it then. God can do it now. Amen. 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 Sometimes you just got to get back when you lose your way, when you lose your faith, when you start having more doubts than faith when you got more fear than faith just look back over your shoulder remember when this story is so full of stuff it's just good just for instance just one little thing to point out and among many I, we could we could go over time today if we're not careful with some of the points within this scripture but one thing in particular notice that geographical Reference points. We've got Jesus where? Everybody say Cana. You like how I bail you out on those answers? Well, somebody real quick is going to say, he's here in Fort Worth. Right, but that wasn't what the answer was. <laughs> Jesus is where he was in Cana. Yeah, but he's here too. I know. I know. I get it. But Jesus is in Cana. And there's a little boy dying in Capernaum, 20 miles away, 20 miles away. Now, in the Metroplex, man, 20 miles is nothing. Brent Ward runs 20 miles every week. I run .2. Not quite to 2.0, I'm at .2. 20 miles is nothing. But for this brother, in this particular day and time, he didn't have the infrastructure, didn't have the modes of transportation. The Bible doesn't say if he walked, if he rode on a beast. But we just know that when he showed up into Cana, this man was winded. He was weary. He was, he was tired. He was frazzled. He was shook up. Because not only do we have the physical weariness to deal with but we've got the emotional stress because why did he leave Capernaum in the first place because his son was dying and he knew rumor has it the word on the street is Jesus is back in Cana and I've got to go find him and he packs his overnight bag and gets to walking and he starts heading to Cana to find Jesus 20 miles away can I just tell somebody this morning, I know miracle oftentimes, your miracle looks like it's 20 miles away. It looks so far out of reach. It looks like you will never get there. 
You look like you can never achieve it. You look like it's never going to come past. It's, it's, it's bigger than it's ever been. It's scarier than it's ever been. And, and, and in these days and time, it, it's like it's 20 miles away. And I have no reference key to make a, a fair comparison. So just allow me to help you. It would be like it's, it's three years away. So what's the point anyway? The point is some miracles take some sweat equity. Some miracles require some effort. Some miracles require getting up and going and getting them. Now, real quick, I think all of you know where I stand, but I want to be clear in my communication. I'm not referencing getting up and, and working and showing your effort for your salvation. We want to be very clear at this church. We believe that the grace of God requires absolutely zero work on your part. It's the best gift, but it will cost you everything. Because it requires a lifestyle that's greater than anything you could ever work to achieve. But beyond your wonderful gift of salvation, what God is trying to show us within Scripture, within a parable, within a story, within a miracle, within an example, is that there's some things that happen in your life because you go after them and make them happen. One of the great professors at USC professor of philosophy and also religion. His name is Dallas Willard. He's on record with this great quote concerning the grace of God. Grace is not opposed nor offended to effort, but it is opposed and offended to earning because earning is an attitude. I've just got to do this to earn it. I've got to clock in and clock out. I've got to prove that I've done my part. Grace is you don't, you don't need to do anything but it's not opposed to effort because effort's not an attitude. Effort's an action. Come on, somebody. Grace is delivered upon. It's poured out upon those that have enough faith to act and to believe and to respond and to reach towards the grace of God. Basically, let me sum it up this way. Effort will never manufacture a miracle. But lack of effort will oftentimes be the obstacle to the miraculous. Laziness, man, you can't be laziness and walk in faith 2.0. Laziness will not see signs and wonders. Laziness will not see God's mighty hand at work in one's life. You've got to get up and go after it. This guy, his son's dying. And this guy says, I'm going to wake up early, I'm going to put a backpack on, and I'm going after it. What's he going after? Not the miracle, he's going after Jesus. If we chase after miracles and miracles only, then we would fit uh, Kathy Odom into into the group of people that Jesus said, unless you believe, unless you see miracles, you won't believe. But if we chase after Jesus... You live for him long enough, you'll see the miraculous in your life. You'll see something mighty that's beyond your understanding. And all of a sudden, we see this guy. He's like, I've just got to get in close proximity to the miracle worker. I've got to get close to him. I don't care if it's 20 miles or, 20, uh, or 40 miles. I'm going to Cana, and I've got to get there. Kind of sounds like the woman with the issue of blood, doesn't it? Here she was fighting her own personal life's challenge and sickness. And she understood that there's the crowd, but the miracle's not in the crowd. There's the group, but the miracle's not in the group. The miracle's at the center. It's at the core of all of that that's going on. 
And she pressed through all of, the, all of the chaos. She pushed through the gathering. She made her way through the group. And she touched the hem of his garment, the Bible says. What about the little lady with the alabaster box of perfume? Man, she just completely ruins the party. She crashes the party. She walks in, man, in an environment that she wasn't really welcomed in. But she knew that Jesus was in the room. Sometimes you got to lay it all on the line. Sometimes you got to become so vulnerable. Sometimes you got to become so hungry. Sometimes you got to become so thirsty. Sometimes you got to get to a place of desperation that you'll lay it all on the line. You'll walk into environments. You'll walk into atmospheres. You'll walk into settings, social settings that, that you know is awkward and uncomfortable. But you know that if I could just press through all of that, all of my pride issues, if I could just press through all of my hangups and issues and touch Jesus. I know that everything will be made whole. You think about the little crippled man. He couldn't get inside that house. But his friends came by. They scaled a wall. They punched holes in the roof. Why? Not to get just in the house. They were getting to Jesus. Somebody say amen. What was the need that this man had? The need was he needed life. For his son. I told you last week that I have solicited this church asking for your stories, your testimonies, your miracles. And we've sent out a little form through our Calvary Connect, and so many have responded, of which I'm very grateful. But this is not the first person that's ever needed life for their son. Let me tell you something that was sent to me. By one of our own. He's actually here today. Young businessman, entrepreneur, happily married, a house full of healthy, beautiful children. But that's not the beginning of the story. Because this is how it all started for him. And the story goes as this. I was pronounced dead before birth. Monthly appointments became weekly. The doctor continued to examine my mother to measure and ponder. He would simply mumble and shake his head. He knew. And she knew that the child within her felt like a stone and was immobile as one also. At the final weekly checkup, the doctor said, I believe that you are as well aware of the problem as I am. And my mom said, yes, sir. I've known for some time now. They wrapped the conversation and the visit up with a plan. And the plan was for her, the mom, to return the very next day for a post miscarriage procedure but that next day happened to be a Saturday and at this family's church every Saturday morning there was a men's prayer meeting and this husband this daddy of this unborn child he loaded his wife into their vehicle and they took off for the men's prayer meeting at church. But it's a men's prayer meeting. Doesn't matter. Sometimes it just doesn't matter. And they walked into that little church. 
And while the men were there probably praying that their lawnmowers don't work that particular day. They walked in with a greater need than that. They walked in with desperation. They walked in with hunger. They walked in because their backs were against the wall. And they were literally few hours away from a post-miscarriage procedure. But the men of that church, men of God, men of faith, began to call on the name of the Lord. And they petitioned God. They got close to him. They got within his reach. They got within his reach. They did like Mary did at that wedding in Cana. They identified the problem and they got Jesus involved. And then they just turned it over to him. And they began to pray and they began to seek God. Mom got back in the car and they headed to the hospital. And while driving, the young man that sits in this service today kicked his mama's belly. They show up at the hospital, not sure how to, what to do next and what steps to take. The radiologist welcomed them in, not having a clue of what's going on, just kind of doing his orders and following protocol. Hooked up all the sensors and during the process of getting everything right, that baby kicks again to the point that everybody in the room knew it. Everybody in the room acknowledged it. And the radiologist, lacking words, lacking sensitivity, didn't know what else to do except, now, I'm sorry, now what was it that you're here for again? Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. God is able to turn your impossible to possible if you'll be willing to put a little sweat equity if you'll be willing to get to prayer meetings, even though it's a men's prayer meeting, if you're willing to get down to the church sometimes on a Saturday morning, I know we got t-ball to go play, and I know we got soccer to go play, but sometimes you just got to get on the property of the house of God. Sometimes you just got to go out of your way. It's, it's a little inconvenient, but sometimes you're at the place where you know, I need God to show up and to show out on my behalf. I want you to shout this this morning. Say, keep praying. praying. Now shout it like you mean it. Say, keep praying. praying. Now let's follow it up with keep believing. believing. Oh, but Pastor Tommy, I've been praying. But are you believing? Pastor Tommy, I've been believing. We'll get back to praying. But Pastor Tommy, I've been praying. We'll get to believing. But Pastor Tommy, I'm I'm, I'm tired of believing. We'll get back to praying. Sometimes you got to get on the treadmill and you just got to set that bad boy and you just got to look ahead and you just got to keep doing what you've always done. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep believing. And before you know it, you sound like a broken record. But can I tell you something? It won't be long until you'll be making music with the best of them. Because God will come around and he'll see your faithfulness. He'll see that you're not just seeking signs and wonders. But you're committed to the ways of God. You're committed to the disciplines of Christ. And faith, if you'll live for him long enough. If you'll hang in there long enough. You'll see the miracles and signs and wonders that you've been desperately seeking. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord. Come help me this morning. Somebody say, keep praying. Somebody say, keep believing. I got to share something with you, but I want to do it close. Step up here with me this morning. Come up here close with me this morning. 
If you're a guest here, don't worry. Uh, we're not going to bite you. We may have you come up and sing a solo, but we're not going to bite you. Come close, everybody. Come close. I know, I know some of you are ready to roll. If you'll just give me about two or three more minutes, then you can roll. I know I'm asking a lot of you. Come close. Everybody press in here real tight. Come in here real, real tight. We want to make room because what I'm about to say is going to change your life. Hey, y'all remember that song we opened up with last Sunday? That one that I like so much? Now listen, my wife told me something. And hey, y'all come in here. Y'all feel that gap. I don't like seeing that hole. Y'all come up close, Terry. Hey, this is what my wife told me. I said, baby, you think the church liked my song? You know my song I picked? I can't make it. Uh. Oh, yes, I can. Uh. And she goes, I don't know, baby, if they liked it as much as you did. Kind of looked at me. I said, they looked at you. We're going we gonna to sing it again. Kind of looked at you. I said, they looked at you. You mean looked at you like, I like that? Or they looked at you. You well, kind of look, looked at you. We're going to run this bad boy for a year and a half every Sunday. <laughs> and you're going to say, man, why is that? Because sometimes faith don't take the first time. See, some of, you, some of you just have a hard time getting to that place of believing God at 2.0. So I've just come by to just lean on you a little bit more. And I've got an encouraging story from Scripture. I want you to hear this before we sing a little bit. Y'all got it in you? Y'all going to move a little bit? I can't make it. Uh, oh yeah. Y'all like that uh part? Uh, oh, yes, I can. Uh. All right. I'm counting on you. The Nora's down in Nicaragua acting like a missionary. She needs to be here at the house. I'm bitter. Left me here with them kids. Both of them. Got one sick, one wishing she was sick. Thank God for my mama. Check this out. Mark chapter number 8. Y'all got to hear this. Mark chapter 8. This is, this is killer. This is so cool, sir. Listen to this. And he cometh to Bethsaida. And they bring a blind man. Everybody say blind man. They brought a blind man to Jesus and besought him or was wanting Jesus to touch him. Well, he did. Check this out. He took the blind man by the hand, led him out of town. You got to be specific with Jesus. You don't want to just say, Jesus, I want you to pray for me and not tell him how. Because he might just do what he did to this man. He spit in his eyes. Just a, just a thought. You might want to be a little clear on how you want him to handle your situation. Jesus spit in his eyes. He put his hands on him. And he asked him. All right. He prays for me. He asked <laughs> Go ahead, man. Everybody's here. Go ahead and tell us. What do you see? And the brother responds, oh, I see. I, I see, huh, I see, but I see men, and they, huh, I see men like, kind of like trees, and it's almost like Jesus sitting there going, that's right, that's right, I didn't totally finish my job. You would think, what's up with Jesus having to pray more than once? It wasn't that Jesus was lacking, he just knew that we would be lacking, we're a one prayer and done kind of people sometimes. We say, God, do this. And when God doesn't do it, it must not have been the will of God. And we just move on. Jesus says, what do you see? And the guy says, I see men like, like trees. And Jesus said, that's right. Now come a little closer. Even Jesus had to pray again. 
Jesus prayed for the man again, and now he's got 20-20. What's the key word? Everybody say, again. again. What do you need to pray for again? What do you need to pray for again? How long has it been since that thing's been sitting idle? I know you prayed for it all through the 80s, but then you quit. I know you prayed for it all last year, but then you quit. What do you need to pray for again? You need to go back, pick that thing up again, because God's not into partial miracles. He's not into just getting you by. If something's not right in your life, you need to go back to Jesus and say, I need a completed work. I need you to fine-tune this. I'm believing. Everybody say, keep praying. praying. Say, keep believing. believing. Now turn to your neighbor and say, give me some space because I'm about to dance a little bit. Let's worship for a minute.